the Kundalini spirit. Many of us have come out of a church or maybe out of the new age or occultism. And in that place, we came in contact with something, something supernatural, something that had a form of power, something that that at the time was attractive. It gave us an experience. But later we started feeling depressed. We started getting this oppression on us and, and this weight on our shoulders and and things just started to go wrong. And a few years later, some of us might have even sat at the table of a deliverance minister asking, what is going on with me? Why do I feel the way I feel? And today I want to talk about this Kundalini or false holy spirit that has crept into many of our churches. Something that has come, that has got a, a pagan, occultic, satanic root, but have come, been introduced as something beautiful and lovely. In this video, we will talk about what the objective of the Kundalini counterfeit spirit is. We will also talk about the first time in the Bible that we see the false Holy Spirit show up. And, and, and with Moses and his confrontation with the Pharaoh. So we can understand how it operates, what it wants to do, and how we can fight it. So first we need to understand what the Kundalini spirit is. When I say Kundalini, it, is a, it comes from the Hindu belief primarily, which is a snake or a serpent spirit, is what, they, what, it, what it translates as. It also masquerades as an angel of light uh, or as a false Holy Spirit. It, 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 it tries to enact and do works that are similar to the true Holy Spirit of God, but not. A little bit of truth mixed with a big lie. And so when it does that, it causes an incredible amount of confusion. So the number one goal and objective of the Kundalini Spirit is not contrary to popular belief to to oppress us simply. The, I want to submit to you the number one objective of the Kundalini or false Holy Spirit is to destroy the works, destroy the image and the, and the identity of the true Holy Spirit or what we perceive as the true Holy Spirit. You see, if we see the workings of a spirit that, look, that masquerades as an angel of light yet is an angel of darkness, and it seems like it does the works that are similar to the Holy Spirit, but with a twist, we find ourselves getting confused. We find ourselves getting confused between what is the work of the Holy Spirit and what is the work of the false Holy Spirit now. You know, if, if, a, if, a holy, if the true Holy Spirit of God does the miraculous work and we get excited, but then the next day a false Holy Spirit comes and does another miraculous work. If we are not grounded in the truth, we will not be able to discern and know what, which is which. And this is the objective. By, the, by doing these works, the Kundalini Spirit is able to distort the works of the Holy Spirit or, or our perception of Him. And it ends up hurting people. So what that does is, now because I've been hurt by the, false, the workings of a false spirit who I thought was the Holy Spirit, now when the true Holy Spirit comes and does a work, I'm immediately going to be pushed myself away from that, distance myself from that, and I'm going to say, I don't want anything to do with that. Even if it's the true Spirit of God. 
And that is the objective of the Kundalini spirit. You see, brothers and sisters, this is so important to understand because there are so many of us, especially in the full Bible movement, those of us who have come to the full revelation of of that the Bible is true from Genesis to Revelation and, and applicable to our lives. For us, a lot of times we have been hurt in our churches. We have been hurt in, in, in all kinds of Christian circles. And because of that, we want, we want nothing to do with anything supernatural. We want nothing to do with anything that is spiritual because we've been hurt by it. And see, I want to submit to you that if that is you, if that matches your description, I want you to pay attention. I want you to be like, man, I I need to watch out because you are in danger of squandering and, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You're in danger of saying, no, I don't want anything to do with the supernatural. And that is not what Yeshua did. That is not what Yeshua instructed his disciples to do. In fact, he instructed his disciples and as well as even going back to Moses to step on the works of the devil by operating in the works of the true spirit of God. And see, if we want nothing to do with the true spirit of God and his works, unknowingly even, we are going to walk into a dangerous place where we reject the spirit of God. And we want we don't want that. So we want to clearly be able to discern between what is the spirit of God and what is not so that we can know what is he, he what he does and run with what he does with everything we've got. So to further explore this teaching, I'd like us to look at the first encounter in the scriptures where we see a false Holy Spirit or a false spirit just enacting, coming to light to in order to cause confusion. So in the story of the Exodus, we read how Moses comes to Pharaoh. He, God has come and encountered him at the burning bush and, Mo, and, and told Moses to go up to Pharaoh. And confirm who the identity of Yahweh, confirm who Moses' God is, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to Pharaoh. And God does this by giving Moses a certain, a few specific signs, such as putting, uh, uh, taking his rod, throwing it down, and letting it turn into a serpent. He does that amongst other things. And after God tells Moses to do all the, do, do, to use these signs before Pharaoh, Moses tells God, but God, I am a man of uncircumcised lips. And God then replies with the following. So Yahweh said to Moses, see, I've made you and God and Elohim to Pharaoh and Aaron, your brother is your prophet. So God tells, tells Moses that I'm going to make you like a God to Pharaoh. Now, why does he say such a thing? Because we need to understand that the culture of the Egyptians is all about other gods. It's they have a a, a God of of the sun. They've got a God of the flies. They've got all God for just about everything there is. And so they attribute power, the miraculous to their false gods. But of course, we know that there is no other God except for one. So these other gods and these other powers that they look and and strive to are simply the works of demons, the works of of the satanic kingdom, the works of the kingdom of darkness. And so with that, 
God now know, God knows this, and He instructs Moses to, uh, to to come and confirm His divinity, God's divinity, by similar signs. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so as Yahweh commanded. And Aaron threw his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the practitioners of witchcraft, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did so with their magic. And they, each one, threw down their rod, and they became serpents. But the rod of Aaron swallowed up their rods. And so first, we need to understand that this, the, the reason that God decided to do this, because God told Moses to throw down the rod way before they came to Pharaoh's palace, the reason for that was that God wanted to show Pharaoh who the one true God is. Mother, mother, he turned his staff into a cobra. And so Moses throws down, or Aaron throws down the rod, and it turns into a serpent. And we then see an interesting thing. We then see the very first false spirit working in the miraculous come and show up. And so Pharaoh's magicians go and they throw down their rods and it turns into snakes. And these snakes come up against Aaron's rods that turns in, turned into a snake. And Aaron's snake eats up the snake. Snakes bites the snakes and eats the snakes of, of, of the Pharaoh. And so it's interesting because it tells us that, number one, there is another side to this. We, can ha- we see the miraculous work in, in our Christian circle. And God instructs us, actually, he, it's one of God's instructions to operate in the miraculous. He says, go and the Great Commission is that very thing of going and healing the sick, cleanse the leper, cast out the demon, raise the dead. All things that are miraculous, amazing works of the Holy Spirit of God. But now we see here in the story that truly there is another side. There is a kingdom of darkness that can also operate in the miraculous. But we see that, 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 that God's serpent ate the serpents of Pharaoh, demonstrating that, yes, they can do a, a, a nice trick, but they don't have the same degree of power. There can be a showdown of power between God and Satan. And God will eat the enemy's serpents every single time. And so this is why when we see and experience something that is supernatural, we can't immediately go and simply say, oh, well, you know, this must be true because it's a miracle. In Deuteronomy 13, we actually read how Father says, if someone comes and does miracles, great miracles amongst you, yet proclaims that you need to depart from the commandments of God, you should know that that person is a false prophet, not sent by God. That is what we know as the Deuteronomy 13 test and what we should be applying. And so, as I said, the reason that God did this thing of turning a rod into a serpent was to raise um, up against the serpent God. Because as you know, probably know, Pharaoh has a little serpent here on his his head, like a little symbolic of of his God. And Pharaoh is considered as a God to to Egypt. They have a serpent God. And it's interesting because the Kundalini spirit... 
that we have crept into many of our churches is the snake spirit. Kundalini means snake. It's the very same one that we see show up here with with Pharaoh, that Pharaoh uses. The story continues with Pharaoh hardening his heart against Moses and the son, even though he sees that this other God, Yahweh, this one true God has, has much more power than what his magicians can muster up. Even still, he hardens his heart against Moses. And so we then start seeing a showdown where God comes and, 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 and brings plagues upon Egypt. He brings the first plague upon the Nile where, where Moses and Aaron goes and strikes the waters of Egypt and they turn into blood. And so we know that they even had a god of the Nile, for example. Hapi was the god of the annual flood of the Nile in ancient Egyptian religion. The flood deposited rich salt or fertile soil on the river's banks, allowing the Egyptians to grow crops. Hapi was greatly celebrated among the Egyptians. And so this god, Hapi, this false god, was the god of the Nile for the Egyptians, the one who brought forth great produce for them. And so the first thing that God does is he goes and he strikes this Nile that the Egyptians think the god Hapi is in charge of. And God says, no, 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 no. And he strikes it and it turns into blood, causing the Egyptians to be stripped from their water supply. We, we furthermore see the, the flies come and upon all the people, just like the Pharaoh had and the Egyptians had a God of the flies. We see the, God, the frogs come upon Egypt and the same way they have a God of the frogs. And every single one of the, the plagues are connected to these false gods of Egypt. And God comes and shows us an important lesson that yes, you know, in some cases, I'm, there might be some form of power. But I am who I am. I am Yahweh. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There is no one else beside me. And it's interesting because we actually see one of these first signs with, with Moses putting down his serpent. And even the magicians being able to put down a serpent. They are able to do this supernatural work. And for some of the plagues... They are able to do these similar, they're able to copy and have a counterfeit of these works of God. Where we actually see with the water turning into blood, the magicians doing, being able to do the same thing. But when it comes to the, the, the supernatural work of the gnats coming, the plague of the gnats coming upon, upon Egypt, we see the magicians seeing an inter- saying an interesting thing. They say in Exodus 8.18, And the magicians did similarly with their magic to bring forth gnats, but they were unable. And there were gnats on man and beast. The magicians then said to Pharaoh, Truly, this is the finger of Elohim, the finger of God. But the heart of Pharaoh was strengthened or hardened, and he did not listen to them as Yahweh had said. And so we see that, yes, oh, they can do that, they can do this, they can do this. But when it comes to a certain degree of power, and especially in the form of creation, creating something out of nothing, we see that the Egyptian magicians fall down and they say, truly, this must be the finger of God. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, we don't know what we're up against. This is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This, this God, is we have never seen such a power ever before. 
And so I want to proclaim to you that, yes, here in Africa where I'm at, we have Sangomas. We have people who, who come and set up shop and they say we can heal people by some other power other than the power of God. And they, what they do is they have demonic, they do demonic rituals, witchcraft with these people. And some healing occurs sometimes. People get some form of alleviation of, of their diseases. But what actually happens in that demonic ritual is that the demonic spirits are allowed to t- to come upon these people even and these spirits they suppress the one spirit the, they had a for example someone would have a spirit that causes um uh, a cancer or or whatever the case is a headaches migraines and this, that spirit would then just step back a little bit those he- that those migraines would subside just as a just to cause confusion in the person to let the per- let the person think that healing has occurred but then in that ritual multiple spirits are invited and all those multiple spirits set up shop in that host in that body of the person and and and, and over time they start showing themselves and start with an incredible demonic oppression and see brothers and sisters i want to proclaim to you if you are dabbling in the new age or in witchcraft or if you have you know, you have opened yourself to these things and you, there is no other deliverance. There's no other way to get free from these things other than by the name of Yeshua, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And I want to also submit to you other brothers and sisters who have maybe not dabbled in these things, but maybe observed some of these things, these supernatural things that have not been of God. Yet you've allowed it to hurt your heart and and push, say, I don't want anything to do with anything spiritual. I want to also warn you and I want to ask you, uh, please don't consider everything now suddenly that is supernatural as something to depart from. Because the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Moses came and the way that he battled these serpents, these, this, these powers of these false musicians was by a demonstration of the Spirit of God. It was not by simply going and reading a few verses out of Scripture. It was by a demonstration of the Spirit. And so I want to I wanna ask you that if you are not coming up with a demonstration of the Spirit and seeking the demonstration of the Spirit, the filling of the Spirit, the walking in the Spirit, the healing the sick, the casting out of demons, then you are actually making it worse. You are not walking in your full calling where God has called you to be a Moses. God has called each of one of us to be a Moses by the Great Commission. When he said, go out into the world and demonstrate to the world who I am by the power of my spirit. You see, brothers and sisters, being in the word and the truth is amazing and it will bring many to repentance. But if we do not apply the workings of the supernatural work of the spirit and and by earnestly seeking the spiritual gifts in our life, we are shutting out the half of the walk of Yeshua because half of his walk at least was spirit led and and enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. As a very, very important last note on the Kundalini Spirit is that I would like you to very, very, very carefully tread when discerning between a Kundalini and the true Holy Spirit. If we by mistake 
confuse the works and, and label the works of the Holy Spirit as unclean, false, or demonic, then we are in danger of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit. I would like to encourage you to watch my video on blasphemy of the Holy Spirit for more on this. And I would like, also like you to have a look at my upcoming book called Reigniting Spirit and Truth. In this book, I'll be t- I'm going to be talking in detail about the Kundalini Spirit, how to identify one, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and how all of these things play with one another because we need to understand that the kundalini spur one of as i've mentioned its objective is to confuse us it really wants us to look at the holy spur the true spirit of god and say that is a a demon that is a false holy spirit just like the pharisees did with yeshua as he was casting out the demons and they came up against him and said oh you do this by the prince of demons so they were calling the clean holy spirit of god unclean and they were guilty of blasphemy so i hope this encourages you to to seek the workings of the spirit regardless of what you have seen in a church exercise discernment and 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 seek it but for now uh, i hope this encouraged you and blessed you and um, I, i just pray that the father may shine his face upon you lift up his countenance upon you give you grace and mercy and blessing and i'll see you guys in the next video